Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just first off, I want to pray for the Red Door Church. Father, the story that we just saw of how this church is impacting the community that it's in, Lord. Father, I want to pray for all churches that are doing that. All churches that are seeking to do your will and to reach the lost and, and save their souls, Lord, for you. Father, I pray that you'd find glory in that, Lord. Father, I pray that we'd be a church that would seek, to seek the lost as well. Father, I pray for, for your work to, be, uh, to take place in this Annie Armstrong offering, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, that that money would go and it would plant churches and help churches to, to reach more folks for you. Father, as we gather here this morning, Lord, we want to ask for your will for this church. We want to ask for your will to be done in our lives, Lord. And so, Father, I pray that our hearts would be open, our minds would be open to hear what you have to say to us today. Father, it's not me, Lord, but it's you. It's not what I have to say, but it's what you have to say through me, Lord, and through your scriptures, Lord. Because by myself, I can't do this, Lord. So I trust in you, Lord, to, to make your will known this morning to those who hear. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. As we gather this morning, one of the things that I know in a group this size is that if you're a follower of Christ, there's one thing we all do. If you're a follower of Christ, we all struggle with knowing the will of God. We all struggle as Christ followers to do God's will or to know his will. So if you're struggling to know God's will this morning, if you're struggling to do his will this morning, or if you're just tired of trying to figure this thing out, I think this morning's message is for you. I believe this morning's message is for you because in a crowd this large, I have to believe that some of us are sitting here this morning, and we're sitting here and we've made some choices, we've made some decisions. Was that me? Okay, we've made some decisions, and we've messed our life up somehow. We've messed our, messed our life up. We've messed things up a lot of times because we've made bad decisions. You may be saying, I've messed my family up because of some of the situations or decisions that I've made. I've messed my marriage up. I've messed my career up. I've messed my finances up. And all this trouble is because of the decisions that I've made. So if any of this hits home for you this morning, if any of this hits home, I hope there's, you hear the message of hope this morning. I hope you hear some encouraging words from God and his scripture this morning. As I prepared for this morning, I, my prayer all week was that you would hear the good news. My prayer was that you would hear the good news that God really does want to guide you. God really wants to lead you in your life. And God really wants you to know his will for your life. Ephesians 5 verse 17 is the first scripture we're going to read, and it's going to be over the overhead. And so Ephesians 5 17 says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I think that's a beautiful verse. I think it's a great verse because what Paul's saying in that one verse is, look, you don't have to make dumb decisions. You don't have to make bad decisions. You don't have to choose the wrong things. Because God's word, because of God's word, you can understand what the Lord's will for your life is. The scriptures are full of verses like this. 
And it doesn't take long if you study the Scriptures, if you look through the Scriptures, you'll see phrases that say, this is the Lord's will, or the will of God for you. Now here's what you need to understand, though, as you read these phrases. As you read the Bible and you read the Scriptures and you come across these phrases throughout the Scriptures, they mean different things. There's three different ways that you can interpret that. And sometimes when you see one of these phrases, it refers to the providential will of God, the sovereign will of God. And what, what I mean by that is that it's the unchangeable will of God. There's nothing you or I can do to change what God's going to do. It's part of his will. He's made his mind up on what he's going to do, and there's nothing you and I can do to stop it. One example that I, that I give, and we should all know this, it's, it was the will of, of, of God for Jesus Christ to be born of a virgin. It was the will of God for, for Jesus to be born in a town called Bethlehem. And there's nothing anybody could do to stop that. That was God's providential will. That was God's sovereign will. It was also the providential will or the sovereign will of God that Jesus would be crucified on the cross for our sins. Before the world was even created, God said, I'll tell you what's going to happen. My son will be crucified for the sins of the world at a place called Golgotha. That's going to happen. And the scriptures also tell us that Jesus is going to come again. There's going to be a second coming. And there's nothing that you or I can do about that. No army, navy, air force, marines. None of that can change, the, change things. Jesus is going to come again. And I'm excited about that. I'm excited that there's hope that he's coming again to save us and to rescue us. That's great news. Now, the second part of God's will is, is we see this phrase throughout the Scripture, and it talks about the practical will of God. And what I mean by, by the practical will of God is, is that's God's moral will for your life. God's moral will for your life. And, and there's certain things that are right and wrong. We know this. There are certain things that, that are black and white, good and evil. And God has told us throughout his word what those things are. The Ten Commandments, that's an example of God's practical will. It's, 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 it's our moral choices. There are certain things that you do, and there are certain things that you don't do. If you, you are to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, that's something that we're supposed to do. You're not to take the Lord's name in vain. You're, that's something you're not supposed to do. Kids, listen up. Trey, you're to honor your father and mother. All right? That's something you're supposed to do. Adults, that, 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 that uh, applies to the adults as well. But adults, to you, you're not to, uh, you're not to, uh, to covet another man's wife. You're not to do that. You see, God's practical will or moral will, it gives us directions on all the decisions that we're supposed to make throughout our lives. And it, when it comes to right and wrong, when it comes to good and evil, God's pretty clear about what he expects. He's pretty clear on what he wants us to do, and he's clear on what he doesn't want to do. For example, let's read Galatians 5, verse 16 through 24. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, 
idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. It's pretty clear if you study the Scriptures, there's things you should do, things you shouldn't do, things you should have, things you should not have. And to, to, to be honest, frankly, 95% of God's will for our life is in His Scriptures. It's revealed to us through His Scriptures. That's how God communicates with us today. We pray to God and we talk to Him, but He talks to us through His Scriptures. The Scriptures are God's way to speak to our hearts. And if you spend any time in His Word at all, that's something that you shouldn't struggle with. I believe, though, the third way, though, is the phrase that the, the way this phrase is used that we struggle with, the third way in the Scripture refers to the will of God is the personal will of God. The personal will of God, and, and maybe it's just me, but this is where I struggle the most. Do I take that job or do I not? Young people struggle with, do I go to that college or not? This weekend, uh, Trey, he's in 11th grade, and, and we've looked at OBU, we've looked at Fayetteville, Paul, are you in here? He went to LSU this last week with his cousin. That's not God's will. It can't be. It cannot be God's will. But young people are searching what school to go to, what classes to take, what to major in. Single folks struggle with, do I date this person or do I not? Business people struggle with, do I make this move or do I not? Do I switch jobs or do I not? Should I invest in this or should I not? Should I buy this or not or should I not? I do it, you do it. We all struggle with the personal will of God. We do. And one of the marks that you're serious about God's will, one of the marks that you're a mature Christian is that you're searching to know God's will for every area of your life. You're searching to know what God's will, especially in the practical ways of your life, your day-to-day -day, day -day decisions that we all have to make. You go to God and you, you struggle with knowing his will because you're searching. Now the question that I ask in the beginning is, how do we know his will? How do we know God's will? And if you're like me, there's been times in my life that I wanted so, so badly for God to speak in an audible voice. I wanted so bad to hear, and I'm just guessing that he has a deep bass voice. And I'm guessing that, that it would be so cool if you would hear him say, do this, don't do that. Go to this church, make this move and go to this city. Marry this person. Wouldn't that be cool if God spoke like that and you could hear him clearly? Let me tell you something. God, I've never heard God speak audibly, but I have heard God speak clearly. And that's the good news. God still speaks clearly today. God still speaks to us, his people. And if I believe that if you want to know God practically, if you want to know his wills in any, will in any situation, Paul told us in Ephesians 5, 17, the verse we read earlier, he said, you can understand what the will of God is for you. You don't have to be foolish anymore. But what you do have to do is you have to be in the right spot to hear God.
You have to be in the right spot. You've got to get yourself in a spot where God can speak to you in such a way that you know it's God and it's not your feelings or emotions or anything like that. You've got to get yourself in a spot where you can hear him clearly. So how do you do that? Well, our scripture verse this morning is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Proverbs, are, it's a great book for practical knowledge of how we should live our life. Solomon was one of the most wisest men that's ever lived, and he gives us some ways inspired by God that we're to know him in the way we're supposed to act. He gives us three keys in these verses that we're going to read this morning, and he gives us three keys that we should practice if we're ever going to be in the right spot to hear God's will. Let's stand as we read Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, if you would. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. You may be seated. <clears throat> that was just to make sure you were awake. Anyway. All right, as we go through these two verses, as we go through these two verses, I want to challenge you, I want to encourage you, because if you're like me, Tuesday, you're like, what in the world did Tom talk about? Am I the only one? You got quiet. <laughs> anyway, I want you to write these three keys down. I want you to write these three keys down, because sometime this week, I promise you, you're going to struggle with knowing what to do and what not to do. You're going to struggle with knowing what God's will is. And so write these keys down, and I, and I pray that it would help you later in the week or whenever you struggle with one of these things. But verse 5, verse 5, Solomon tells us the first thing we have to do is trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord, Solomon tells us. And this, this month, March Madness, if you're a basketball fan, March Madness is, is, is a basketball uh, dreamland, Okay. And as I watch some of these games that are going on right now, you see the coaches, and when it gets to the, I like just watching the last two minutes of these games because, I mean, it's a lot of strategizing. A lot of the coaches on the sideline, they're putting people in. They're setting up plays, and, and I mean, it's, it's, they're in control. The players are doing what the coaches tell them to do. And so as I was watching some of that, I, I got to thinking, that's kind of cool, and there's something scriptural I can get out of that. But our family, all of our boys and, and girls, they, they play ball. And uh, I coach a little team. And, and as I read this verse, I thought, trust in the Lord like a coach. Like a coach. God wants to be your personal coach. Because look at what Proverbs 3, 5 says. It trusts in the Lord with all your heart. And that's the very first step in knowing God's will. The first key to knowing God's will is to trust him as your own personal coach. If you, and, and, and if you can't trust him... You can't move on to steps two or three until you get steps one first. You can't move on to these, the second or third step until you can trust in God with your whole heart. And it begins with a complete trust in God. But let me stop right here and be honest with you. In a group this large, in a church this large, if you're here this morning and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, nothing, you'll never know the will of God. You will not know the will of God until you trust him totally. If you, do know the, if you don't know the will of God, let me tell you something. I'm going to be bold enough to say that if you don't have a personal relationship with, with Jesus, that's your first step. That's God's will for your life. God's will for your life is to get things right with him, to accept him as your Lord and Savior. That's God's will. So if you don't know Jesus, I know what your will is, and that's what I just told you. 
more than all that God has for you, it's for you to know him. That's, that's his number one goal. And once you take that step, once you take that step in trusting him totally, he can say now, God says to us when you do that, now we can do business. Now we can have a relationship. Now I can help you with the rest of your life. Now it doesn't take rocket science when you, when you move on in this to figure things out, but for a relationship to work, it takes two people. If my relationship with my spouse is going to work, it's going to take both of us. And that's the same way it is with God. It takes two parts to knowing God's will. There's God's part and there's my part. There's my part and there's my and, and God's part. And, and it makes sense. It makes sense that there's two of us involved. And God says, uh, God says, I'm going to start with your part first. And your part is, trust me. If we're going to have a relationship, you have to trust me. And now let me tell you, Tom does a lot, if you've been around here, here very long, a lot of word studies. And so as, as I've listened, I was like, I may need to start studying these words a little bit more. And so as I was studying the scripture this week, uh, I, I looked at that word trust. And what that word trust means in the Hebrew language is to lie down upon or to stretch out on. That's pretty cool. Trust means to lie down upon or stretch out upon. When you trust in God, you lay everything on him. When you trust in God, you don't give a second thought to following him. You lay everything on him. Just like the disciples, if you remember the story of the disciples, when Jesus came and he walked through the town or along the seashore or wherever, and he called the disciples, what did they do? They followed him. There was no questions asked. They followed Christ. They left everything behind, family, businesses, whatever they were doing, they left and followed him. They trusted him. So you basically say, I'm going to give Jesus my first. I'm going to give all, my God, all I am to God first. You say, this is the first, the first way to get in the position to know God's will. You've got to completely trust me with your heart is what God's calling you to do. Now, most of us here today are good church folks. I know that. And we may be sitting here and saying, I do trust God, though. I do trust God. And maybe that's true, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's not because what the Bible says about trust is that you say yes to whatever God wants you to do before you even know what that is. The Old and New Testament alike are full of stories of people that followed and trusted God before they even knew what they were supposed to do. Abraham is the first person I think about. He trusted God with his son. And that's how we get to the heart of the problem that most of us have with God's will, though. We know God's will, but we lack the doing God's will. We trust God's will, but we lack the follow-through. Here's how we operate, and, and, and some of you aren't going to like this, I realize this, but this is really how we operate. There's two questions that go on when we go to come to God and we're seeking to do his will or ask his will. There's two things to ask that happen. There's two questions that take place. First off, we've got a question for God. And that question is, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do, God? What's your will? But God has a question for you when you ask that question. God's question for you is, will you do what I want you to do? Will you do what I want you to do? And it's silly, but here's the game we like to play. And we never would admit this, but this is what we do. God, you go first. What do you want me to do? No, 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 you go first, God. 
And God says, no, you go first. And you say, no, you go first, and then I'll take what you want me to do. I'll put it in my basket of all my other options, and then I'll see which one I like best. But until you can say yes to what God wants you to do first, you'll never know what it's will, his will for your life is. It's amazing that this is what we do when we come into the presence of God. God, I really want to know your will. Do you really want me to marry this person or not? Do you really want me to take this job or not? Do you really want me to move to this city or not? Is this really what you want me to do, God? And God's basically saying, sign this contract first. Sign this contract first, and you're saying, what is it, though? And God says, it's a contract. Sign it. You sign it first, and then I'll fill in the fine print later on. You see, this is what you've got to be willing to do. You've got to be willing to sign the contract first when you come into God's presence. You've got to be willing to say, I don't care what you want me to do or where you want me to go first. Leave my girlfriend or boyfriend, I'll do it. Stay with my husband or wife, I'll stay with him. Don't take that job, okay. Don't make that purchase, all right. Okay to that city or that move, okay. That's why the second part of this verse is so important. The second part of this verse, it says, lean not on your own understanding. When I did the word study on that, on the word lean, guess what it means? Lean. When you lean on something, you lean on something. You put all your support on it. You put all your understanding in it. You lean on it. And we all do this. We all do this when we have to make a decision. We say, what do I think I ought to do, right? That's normally our first response. What do I think I need to do? Don't get mad, but it's, it's a fact a lot of times men are, are guided by logic. And women, they tend to be guided by feelings. In my house, that's opposite, okay? I'm, I'm, I'll admit that. But the fact is what Solomon is saying here, what Solomon is saying is that you shouldn't lean on either one of them. Don't lean on logic because God's not logical. Some of the things that God's done through the scriptures, you look at it and go, that doesn't even make sense, but... God was at work, and you see what he did. Emotions, you lean on your emotions, you're going to get yourself in trouble. And Solomon's saying, don't lean on any one of those things. You first look, your first look, anytime you ask that question, ought to be towards God, not to yourself. Let me tell you why. There's a scripture, Jeremiah 10, 23, we're going to read. Jeremiah 10, 23 says, Lord, I know that people's lives are not their own. It is not for them to direct their steps. That's a pretty good verse. I love that verse because it tells us that we don't know our future. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, so we need to lean on Christ. When we lean on ourselves, what happens? We mess things up. We mess things up, and that's why God says, let me be your coach. Trust me. Trust me. The second key that you have to do if you want to know God's will is you need to follow him as your role model. You need to follow God as your role model. Proverbs 3, 6, it says, In all your ways acknowledge him. Now that word acknowledge, it doesn't mean how we acknowledge people today. When we acknowledge people today, what do we do? Rich, I see you walking down the hall, what do I do? Yep, I give you a head nod or I give you a wink or, you know, something like that. When you're driving down the road, what do you do? You, you give a finger, that finger, okay? 
you, you give the one finger wave, or if you're really friendly, maybe two or something, you know. That's how we acknowledge people today. But that's not what it means here. Here it means to focus on something and follow through no matter what. Follow through no matter what. Here it means to focus. In other words, it says, in all your ways, focus on God and follow him wherever he leads. And when he says all your ways, guess what he means? Come on, y'all are sharp. All your ways. Okay? When he says follow him all, in, in, in all your ways, focus on God, that's what he means. In all your decisions, in all of your dealings, all your moral decisions, follow him. Every day, do you realize when you wake up in the morning, every day we have a chance to do what's right. We have a chance to do what's wrong. We have a chance to do good or do evil. <clears throat> and in this part of this verse, all he's talking about is following God in the practical ways of your life. Everything the Bible tells you that you should do, are you doing it? Everything that the Bible tells you you shouldn't do, are you not doing it? So, so, so what, what it's saying is if, if, he, if you want to be in the spot to hear God's word, if you want to be in God's will, if you want to be in the spot to be able to hear him, you have to focus like a laser beam on God every time you're making a decision. You've got to go to God, and uh, you've got to do what God's already told you to do in his scriptures. The scriptures are full of what he wants you to do. Let me tell you why this is important. God's will will only be revealed to a heart that's clean. God can only reveal to you when you have a clean and committed heart. In other words, what I'm saying is, I don't know if I should take this job or not. I don't know if I should make this purchase or not. I don't know if I should do this or do this certain thing. But let me ask you something. When you ask that question, are you sleeping around? Are you getting drunk? Are you doing drugs? Are you caught up in pornography? Now, those are some biggies. You know what? Let me ask you some other ones. Are you prideful? You know, we get real proud of ourselves and we go, oh, I made all those first lists. But are you prideful? Are you angry? Are you jealous? Whatever it is, God's saying if you have those things in your heart, he's saying, I'm not going to be able to tell you what I want you to do until you get your act together. I'm not going to be able to help you until you get the practical areas of your life cleaned up. Now, I say that, but the good news is, what did Jesus come for? He came to forgive us of our sins. And so God doesn't leave us alone. He gives us a helper. He gives us the Holy Spirit to help us clean up our life. You don't have to do it alone. You, you, he gave us our, his son, Jesus Christ, that we could be clean and we could know his will. With all the other junk you're chasing, God basically says, I can't get involved in this personal area until you get some things cleaned up. The point is, if you're doing daily what you know God wants you to do, if you're doing daily what you know God tells you to do because of his scriptures, if you're acknowledging him in your life, and you're acknowledging God, he'll show you what you don't know you're supposed to do. You see, if you do what you know you ought to do today, God will show you what you don't know you're supposed to do tomorrow. See, there's two kinds of will that we've talked about, or three kinds, really. But the first two are the known will of God. The first two, we have no excuse. The scriptures tell us what we're supposed to do in the practical and the providential will of God. These are the things we know. I don't have to get up every morning and ask myself, am I supposed to be faithful to my wife? 
I don't have to. I know that that's God's will that I'm supposed to be faithful. Am I supposed to get up every day and spend time in God's Word? I don't have to debate that. I know that's what I'm supposed to do. Do I need to get up? Is it God's will for me to be honest? I don't have to debate that either. These are things that I don't have to worry about. This is the known will of God, and we all know these things. The unknown will of God, though, these are our future choices and decisions. These are our future decisions that we'll be faced with tomorrow that we don't even know are coming our way. And what Solomon is saying in these verses is that when you're living on a daily basis, the known will of God, he's telling us that you'll know the unwill of God, unknown will of God. If you're doing the known will, he'll help you know the unknown will. When you're living out God's practical will for your life, he'll show you the personal will as well. But guess what? If you don't, he won't. Practical illustration. If you're a man or woman and you're looking uh, for God's will for your life, plain and simple, and I'm a simple guy, plain and simple, if you're looking for God's will, do what's right. Pretty simple. If that's too simple, though, if that doesn't work for you, here's another one. I really want to know God's will for my life and my business. Okay? Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't falsify your tax income returns. Okay? Or you're saying, I really want to find God's will for my family. I want God to bless my family. I want, I want his will to be done. Be faithful to your spouse then. Don't be looking at things you shouldn't. Don't be going places that you shouldn't go. Don't be flirting, innocent or not, with somebody that's not your wife. Don't do it. What you need to do is put yourself in a position where you're able to hear God's voice. Put yourself in a position where God's able to speak to your heart. Do you see how this all works out? It's not that complicated. When you decide to trust God as your coach and you decide to follow God as your role model, when you do those two things, you can start to obey God as your master in the daily areas of your life. Look at what he says in verse 6. In verse 6, up to this point, it's been all about what we're supposed to do. Up to this point, it's the ball has basically been in our court. It's been in our court. But now, it's in God's. In, the, in verse 6, it says, He will make your path straight. If I do these things, He will make my path straight. He'll direct my path is basically what it's saying. What he's saying in these verses is God's, he, God is saying is trust me as your coach. Put all your trust and faith in me. Follow me as your role model. Everything that you know to do because of my word, do it. And everything that I've told you not to do, don't do that. And when you're living out my practical will, then I'll be able to lead you as your master. Now this is so big that I, that I hope you don't miss it. The thing I don't want you to think today was about is, hey, this is just about knowing God's will for these daily decisions that are happening in my life. That's not what this is about. God wants you to know him more than anything else. More than knowing what, what you're supposed to do with your, your family or your business or anything like that, he wants you to know him way more than anything else. So the question is, how do I get to know him? How do I get to know him? Well, Solomon just told you. Solomon just told you, here's how you know God. You trust him. Solomon says, if you want to know God, you trust him as your coach. You follow him as your role model. 
And as I was preparing for this message this morning, I read uh, in one of the commentaries, and it said, uh, it, it said this right here, that I don't get to know God so that I can do his will. I get to know God by doing his will. Let me read that again. I don't get to know God so that I can do his will. I get to know God by doing his will. I think that's a cool verse, a, a, a cool sentence. I think it's good because we get to know God by just being obedient, by following him. And we need to face it. When it comes to future decisions, we're all blind, the scriptures tell us. We're all in the dark. We're all lost. If we knew ahead of times how things were going to work out, we would, we'd know what decision to make, right? But we don't. So listen to this great verse in Isaiah 42, verse 16. 42, 16, it says, I will lead the blind by the ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them <clears throat> and make the rough, rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. Man, that's God's promise. That's God's promise that he's going to make our path straight. He's going to show us what we're to do. He's saying, I'll show you what's going to happen tomorrow if you'll just be faithful. I know what the future is. So you just need to relax. You need to relax because I know. So do you know today? So you do know, so you do what you know to do today, and God will show you what to do tomorrow, is what he's saying. He says just 16 chapters later in Isaiah 58, 11, he says that the, the Lord will guide you always. Always. If you follow him, the Lord will guide you always. And folks, the promise of God's true. He doesn't break his promises. Somehow we've convinced ourselves that, like I said, that this thing is some mystical or mystery uh, about knowing God's will, but it's not. The truth of the matter is, is God wants you to know his will for your life way, way more than you want to know his will. God wants you to know that. He's not trying to keep things from you. He wants you to know his will. <clears throat> but the problem is, guess what the problem is? It's us. The problem's us. God's saying, I've laid it all out for you. I want you to do the right things. I want you to seek me. But the problem's us. And the, the problem is that all of us live on three different levels. The first level that we live on is, is we do what we want to do. We live in a me-first society. It's me, 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 me. And God says that's not the right way. And I'm not picking on folks, but that's just where most of the folks are. The second level that we live on, and, and to be honest, uh, it's, it's I do what I think I ought to do. And that's where most of the church folks live. Most of the church folks, it's, it's, we live on what we think we ought to do. We think the right decision, but that's not the best level either. Level three is where God wants us to live, and that's where you live on a level where you say, I do what God wants me to do. And that's where God wants us all to live. And I have to admit, I slip up sometimes. I slip up a lot. And when I slip up, 99.9% .9 of the time, it's because I'm living on level one. There are other times when I feel good about myself, and I kind of step it up a little bit. I take it, take it up a notch, and I live on level two. I live on that level where I, I do what I think I ought to do. I think I ought to do the right things. And let me tell you, and I may be just, maybe it's just me, but when I do what I think I ought to do, man, I mess things up. I mess things up big time when I do what I think I ought to do. God says no to both of these levels. God says no to both of these levels because he wants the best for you. He wants you to live on level three. 
He wants you to live in a way that he's able to lead you. So here's what I want you to leave, here's what I want to leave you with today. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says this, and I, it's, I, I'm simplifying it a whole lot. When you put God in his rightful spot, when you put God in his rightful spot in your heart, God will put you in the right spot. Okay? That definitely doesn't mean that things are going to be easy. Because guess what? Guess where the right spot for Jesus was? On a cross in Gethsemane. That was the right spot for Christ. So being in the right spot doesn't mean that you're going to live in this big house, drive a fancy car, wear nice clothes, all that stuff. That's not what it means. What it does mean is that when you put God in his rightful spot, wherever God leads you, whatever path that he takes you on, he's going to provide for you. That's what it means. may not mean what you think it's how he should provide, but he's going to provide for you. He's also going to protect you. He's going to protect you from yourself a lot of times. And he's going to take care of you if you do what you know to do. If you do that, he'll, he'll reveal to you what you don't know you're supposed to do. There's a book that's been out for a little while, and it's called uh, 30 Days to Live. And that book, 30 Days to Live, the author challenges you uh, to, to do some certain things. And one of the things that he challenges you to do is when you go to a cemetery, he challenges you to look at a tombstone. And on a tombstone, there's, there's a bunch of information there. You can, you can kind of tell a lot about a person by, by what quote they put or, or something like that. But in a tombstone, on all tombstones, Bruce, I'm looking at you, the undertaker. On all tombstones, what is there? There's a name. There's a date of birth. And then there's a date of death. But there's something that we all miss, and that's what I want to finish with today. There's a dash. There's a dash on every tombstone, and that's the most important thing on the tombstone. Because what that dash, dash represents, or that hyphen, is how they live their life. So I want to talk to you about your dash as we leave. Does your dash represent the decisions that you've made or your faithfulness in following Christ? Let me suggest to you that, that if God happened to look at a tombstone, and he probably doesn't look at tombstones, but if he did, <clears throat> would he be proud of your dash? How you lived? Would he be proud of the real story of your life? Because that dash tells the path that you took during your life. And all God is trying to tell us is that if you want your life to really count, if you want your dash to count, you've got to get your heart right. Heart right. If you want the biggest bang for your buck during this life, you only get one chance. You need to make sure that you're living in the spot which God has put you in. You need to lead live in a spot which God has called you to and do his will let's pray <clears throat> dear father I love you father and I thank you Lord that that you want me to know my will way more than I do and father I thank you because you 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 want that but you don't leave me by myself you don't leave me by myself searching and trying to figure this thing out you provide a, a helper for me and that's your holy spirit and so, Father, I pray that I would have a clean heart, that I'd be able to follow your will, and that I'd be able to say, not my will, but your will be done. Father, I pray this for the folks that are here this morning, too.
Father, there are some here today, Lord, that need a relationship with you. There are some here today that don't know you as their Lord and Savior. And so, Father, man, we're going to have a time of response. We're going to have a time of response where, where folks, if they don't have a relationship with you, they can come to know you. If they want to go to steps two or three, Lord, they got to get that taken care of first. And so, Father, I pray that if you're moving, Lord, that we would be receptive to your moving. Father, I pray that people would be willing to take that first step to knowing your will. And, Father, then as a church, I pray that we would be good disciples of what you've given us and that we would minister to those folks and we would help them to know your providential and practical will, your known will for them by, by sharing your word with them, Lord. I pray that we would do that. But, Father, your unknown will, your personal will, Lord, for our lives, Lord. I pray, Father, that as we leave here today, Lord, that we would seek you first, that we would seek you in all our ways and, 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 and you would help us to know that. And, Father, I can say that with confidence because your scriptures tell me that that's what you'll do. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tell us that's what you want for us, Lord. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would do whatever you want to do here today. But my big prayer, Lord, is that when we leave here, we would make an impact for you in our homes, our businesses, in the community, our schools, that we would impact others for you because we're following your will. And your will, Lord, is for folks to, be, to know you. Your will is that you would be glorified in our lives and others. And so, Father, we come to you today, and we just ask, Lord, that you would just do your work. In your son's name I pray. Amen.